0: Well, Happy New Year, everyone. Happy new year. It's wonderful to see you. And as what already said, this year, 2019, is going to be a great year. It's going to be the best year yet. We know that because with God, it just gets better and better and better. There's never a backward step with God. We serve a great God. He has great plans for us, a great purpose for us. He has great promises for us as individuals, but together... He has a great plan for this house, for this body in this city where we live. Praise the Lord. God is already speaking to us. Isn't that wonderful? We have a God who speaks. i got to tell you, my heart is absolutely pounding. Because I love the Word of God, and I love it when God speaks so clearly. But my heart is pounding. Because, and with no sense of collusion, if you were a visitor here this morning, John came and read from the scriptures from the book of Song of Solomon. Jenny brought a word. Deborah brought a a word for the story of the tree about making room. Did you hear that? David Ellis brought an exhortation from the word of God about making room for God. And the title of my sermon right at the start of 2019 is simply this, Make Room. I want you to know we have a God who speaks. I want you to know we have a God who speaks to everyone who's willing to listen. I want you to know we have a word. And if you don't know how this Bible came together, we'll just do this very quickly. But this is a a wonderful book, but it's not like any earthly book. It's the Word of God. It's God-breathed. And it was written over thousands of years with dozens and dozens of human authors inspired by the Holy Spirit. And these authors didn't know one another. One or two of them may have come across their paths. One or two of them may have known one another, but for the vast majority, they didn't know each other. They're writing centuries apart, and yet the same God spoke the same Word over and over. Is it possible that even in 2019, the same God is speaking to you and to you and to you and to you and he's saying the same thing church when I hear that my heart begins to pound because we must take note of what the Lord is saying. We serve a good God. There are many things God is going to share with us this year. God has given us a wonderful word for this church that we are to be a church that gathers together and goes together. There's going to be so much God wants to say to us about that. But it's important that we know the first thing, even in light of what God has already shared this morning, is that when we gather together, it's not for us, it's to Him. When we gather together unto the Lord, it's for Him, it's for His glory, it's for His fame. That is why it's so important that when the church meets together, the church rushes to be there. We're gathering unto the Lord. This year we're going to go to new places together, but we're going not in our own strength, but in the name of the Lord and in the authority of the name of Jesus. And there's much more that we want to say about that in the weeks to come. But in preparing the word, preparing my heart, church, it's time to again to make room for Jesus Christ to be the center. Deborah's already given you a fantastic story about the tree. Do we cut a hole to make room for it? We've got to make room. Here's my story. I hope you had a good Christmas. I don't know if your decorations are still up or down. But a funny thing happens in our house. We travel a lot at Christmas time. We go to Zoe's parents. We go to my parents. And then we travel home just before New Year's Eve. And the most extraordinary thing happens. Without any sort of sense. It it started about eight years ago. And we don't know how it happened in our house. But we get home. We open the door, we just take a sort of sigh of relief, that home, and then without any dialogue, without any conversation that we would do this, we start, Zoe and I, to sort out cupboards, and I don't know why. It's some strange phenomena that before we unpack anything from the car, before we make sure that the house is secure, we just find ourselves drifting for myself into the kitchen cupboards and just opening the door saying, no more Tupperware, you will be organized. And I don't know why it happened, but it happened and it's become a thing. Perhaps it's the procrastination of I hate unpacking suitcases and that sort of stuff or the ridiculous amounts of things that came back. We didn't go with this stuff, but we seem to have come back with this stuff. And now we need to find space for this stuff. Maybe it's that. So we just start to strip out from the cupboards. And these, I do this every year. But by the end of the year, the cupboard's jam-packed full of stuff that shouldn't be in there. How does that happen? And we have one cupboard, and uh, I just get tired of it. Uh, at the moment, it's, it's, it's fine. It, everything has its place. And all the Tupperware and water bottles and children's lunch boxes are there, organized from left to right in height ascending order, alphabetized and color coded. If you want a pink medium uh, drinks bottle, I know exactly where to go. And as I open the cupboard and pull it out, nothing else will fall out. Everything has a place now. Everything has an order. But if I don't stay on top of that, in 12 months' time, I'll be telling the same story because come December, I will say, uh, I, Where's the drinks bottle? It's in the cupboard, and fear overcomes me. <laughs> because you, you, some of you have the same cupboard. You know, like, okay, oh, just an inch. Can I, I can't get the hand to. No! And suddenly Dave is swept away by a a tidal wave of Tupperware. It's time to give things their rightful place. And it's important that order comes again. I'm talking about cupboards. But God has already started talking about our lives and having a place for him, which is not on the fringes, which is not surrounded by stuff that shouldn't be there, which is not cluttered, but has Christ right at the center. You know Jesus is really at the center? You know when you read the book of Revelation, you'll read about our Christ, our Jesus, who is sat on the throne, but it makes a remarkable observation. He's not just sat on the throne. You can read it for yourself. It says he is at the center of the throne. It's almost like even the throne revolves around him. He's right at the center of everything. This year as a church, we're going to be uh, looking a lot at the the book of Acts. I'd like us to start there, if I may, in the book of Acts in chapter 1. Because for all that the Lord is going to talk to us about this year, about gathering together and going together, he's not going to say anything outside of this first truth. It's all about him. It's all about him. The book of Acts is a brilliant book. I love it. I absolutely love it. But it's all about him. So Acts chapter 1. I want to read the first 11 verses, if I may. It says this. Luke is the author, and he's saying, In my first book, Theophilus, I told you about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving his apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when Jesus was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they began asking him questions. Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Jesus replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. They are not for you to know, but you will receive power When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And after this, Jesus was taken up into a cloud while they were still watching until they could no longer see him. And as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two men in robes of white suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said. Why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Luke makes no apologies in writing the book of Acts. That it's all about Jesus. It starts off by saying, Theophilus, in my first book, which we know to be the Gospel of Luke, I told you all about Jesus and all he began to do and teach. But I didn't tell you everything. This next volume is going to tell you everything about what he's doing right now. But he's doing it not because he's on the earth himself. He's doing it because he sent his Holy Spirit to live in people like you and me. He's doing it through this body of believers that we know and call the church. Jesus is right at the center of all he does. The book of Acts is wonderful. It's a book of action. Without the Holy Spirit, without Jesus right at the center of it, it just simply becomes a book of good intentions. But that's not what it is. And that same Holy Spirit that was poured out on the early church, on the first uh, believers to receive at Pentecost, is the exact same Holy Spirit you and I received. The same anointing abides uh, and resides within us. And rests upon us and causes us to go out and lay hands on the sick and proclaim the name of Jesus. Amen. To meet from home to home, to break bread, to fellowship, to be devoted to the apostles' teaching. The same Holy Spirit does that. And if he doesn't, we're not a church of action. Yeah, right. We're merely a church of intention. Amen. Everything we do has Amen. to be centered around Jesus. And yet, it's possible. It's possible. It's possible. For us to so busy ourselves. Even with the things that look right. And look good. And the programs. And the meetings. And the methodologies. And the Christian books. And the CDs. And the TV. It's so easy with all of this paraphernalia. To look like we're doing the right thing. But somehow the cupboard has become cluttered again. And you couldn't find Jesus even if you tried. It's possible through the busyness of life. To lose our first love. I'd like you to turn with me to a scripture in the book of Revelation. It's Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. You see, our relationship with Jesus is the key to everything else. Amen. Revelation chapter 2, verses 2 to 4. Jesus says this He says to one of the churches that he writes to, He says, I know your works, your toil. And your patient endurance and how you cannot bear those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. I know you're enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake and you have not grown weary. There's so much to commend them for. There's so much good that they're doing. There's so much fight. There's so much they're holding fast to the truth. There's so much that they can be commended for. But he goes on in verse 4, Jesus says, but I have this. Against you, you have lost your first love. How is that possible? To be seen to be doing the right things, but for Jesus to say, but where am I in it all? How is it possible we can so busy ourselves, God has to come again. And through four or five different people on the same day who have not had any conversations together, for God to say this, will you put me back at the center God wants to say something to us today. Because if he's not at the center, then everything we're doing, it's just periphery. That's right. Amen. Honest questions. You, How can we lose our first love? How can the cupboard get so cluttered and disorganized? With the stuff, maybe all this stuff should be in there. Yes, I should, uh, I should be going to church. Absolutely. I should be reading my Bible. Absolutely, I should be reading my Bible. Prayer, fasting, worshiping, uh, meeting in uh, the church in the home midweek. Of course, it's all in there. But if Jesus isn't right at the center of all of that, That's right. it just becomes busyness. Yeah. Yeah. How can you lose your first love? I'm a, a married man. My wife is Zoe. This is our, our 15th year of marriage that we're enjoying. I think about it this way. Let me ask myself a question. Man, if you're married here, let you just have a think about this question. How much in love with your wife are you now compared to the day you stood before her and made a covenant vow to be her husband? Some of you are discussing that already, that's slightly awkward. Is it the same as the day you got married? Is it less than the day you got married? Is it more? In the day, my hand on my heart, I love my wife more this moment than in any other moment of my life. It's just I cannot help keep falling in love with her, and when I think about that, and I'm just waiting for the Lord, thinking, "Well, why is that?" And these things come back, and they're very real, and they're very tangible, and they're very I can understand them. It's a relationship. It's time. It's fun. It's laughter. It's times of gathering together when times are hard. It's times of intimacy. It's times of devoting my self to her and her devoting herself to me. It's time spent with family. But it's time, it's focus, and it's centrality of she is the most important person in my life. And because of that, my love for her blossoms every single day. Sometimes I get stuff wrong Sometimes I mess up. Sometimes in the busyness of life, like the six weeks before Christmas, which we no longer talk about. Sometimes life gets busy. The cupboard gets full of stuff. And you think, suddenly, where's the time for us right now? Well, we've got this going on, and we've got school plays, and we've got this, and we've got, well, there's Christmas, and then there's there's birthdays, and there's all this sort of stuff. And somewhere in the cupboard is our marriage. But without even recognizing, just in the business of life, the cupboard's got full. And what it needs is a declutter. Get this out. Get this out. I've got to get back to the place where that's us right at the center. That's just life. That's marriage. Let's ask another honest question. If you're a believer here today, how much more in love with Jesus are you today than the day you were first born again? How much more in love, how much more passionate about Jesus are you today than the day you gave your life to him? Is it the same? Is it more? Is it less? Honest questions require honest answers. Do you remember when you just loved to, you, you, you discovered something of, of drawing aside of opening your heart to Him and then opening the Word and then finding Him on, on every page and in unusual places. And it was like the Word would just sing to you. It's like words would become emboldened to you. Do you remember the joy of what it was to hear God for the first time and to know that the God, the Creator, the Sustainer of all things would actually want to speak to you? Do you remember the joy of just putting on that worship CD in the car or in the music? Or the song that would just overflow from Sunday that you just couldn't get it out of your head, but you just loved to sing and you made time just to be with the Lord. Do you remember that wonderful joy, that passion, that excitement? Or is that a memory of a bygone day? When you loved to sing to Him every day, but now it's just a Sunday thing. When you love to open the word, but now you've restricted yourself to a reading plan that you've got to get through. Because you're worried that something will happen to you if you don't. Where you come to him to pray, but it's turned into, i just got a little bit of a list and I I haven't got a time really for anything else. Has something happened when you loved to gather together? When you couldn't wait, you were so excited to be with the church. You were so excited to gather together unto the Lord, but now you're picking and choosing what you go to, and you're just making it through the doors in time. Maybe that applies to some of you. Maybe that applies, or some of that applies to all of us. Honest questions need honest answers. But for what God has for us, Not just for this year, not just for this house, but for what God has for you, what God has for the world. Jesus says, make me the center. Jesus says, make room for me. Jesus says, let me be your first love again. It's a crazy time, the start of year. I've heard so much about resolutions, we hear them every year. It's a time for making resolutions. It's a time for making decisions about priorities. It's a time for goals and targets and setting things and and projecting upon yourself, where do I want to be in one year's time? What do I want to look like? And maybe you've come up with some good ideas for that. Maybe you've decided this year is the year I'm going to read through the scriptures in a year. Maybe this is the year I'm going to draw and set aside time. I'm going to keep it with all my heart. I want to encourage you, Jesus is not a resolution to be made. Jesus is not a New Year's resolution yeah. Jesus is a person Jesus wants a relationship and that's not a, just a decision for a time that you can try your best to he is everything he's not a project he's not a meeting he's not a book just to be read occasionally and then put back on the shelf he is everything and he has to be everything everything Don't make him a resolution. He's your redeemer. He's our righteous king. Don't make him a project. He's king of kings and lord of lords. Please don't make Jesus a hobby. He's a holy God and demands to be first. Oh, this Jesus is so awesome. He's so incredible. He is so majestic. Revelation chapter 22 tells me our Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. John 3 tells us He is our wonderful Savior. Colossians 1 tells me he, Jesus is the creator and sustainer of all things. Hebrew 12 tells me that Jesus is the author and perfecter of my faith. Matthew 7 tells me Jesus is the solid rock on which I stand. Ephesians 2 tells me that Jesus is the chief cornerstone from which everything else has to be built out from. Revelation 19 tells me Jesus is the one who is called faithful and true. 1 Corinthians 15 tells me Jesus is the conqueror of death and sickness. 2 Timothy 2 tells me that he is the Lord Jesus Christ risen from the dead. Colossians 3 tells me this Jesus is my life. He's our all in all. 1 Timothy 1 tells me that Jesus is our great and certain hope. Isaiah 9 tells me that Jesus is our wonderful counselor, mighty God, our ever everlasting father our prince of peace john 8 tells me that this jesus is the one who sets you free and free indeed john 14 tells us that jesus is the way the truth the life the only way to get to god revelation 3 tells us this jesus is the victorious one one john 4 tells us that this jesus loved you and i first And Revelation 3 tells us that this Jesus is standing at the door of this church and standing at the door of your heart and mine, and he's knocking, saying, Please, will you let me in? And the promise is this, For all who will open the door to this Jesus, he will come in and have sweet fellowship with you. This is our Jesus this is our Jesus. He's not a New Year's resolution. He's not something to be contained within my life. He is my life. Amen. And when Jesus says, make me the center, my reaction to that is I don't go to the cupboard and I simply rearrange stuff to get order. Everything else has to go. It's not a rearranging. It's not a sort out. Putting Jesus first in our life is this. It's clearing out everything. Everything. So that he can have centrality. Make room. Make room. Make room. He's asking us to make him number one. Will you do that? Don't tell me. Will you do that? Jesus is asking. Don't forsake your first love. Maybe your walk with Jesus became like one of my kitchen cupboards. It's okay. It's time for a sort out. It's time for a clear out. It's time to put Jesus back in the center. It's time to come back to our first love. It's time to remember. It's time to reforge that wonderful, sweet fellowship and relationship with him. Maybe you've busied yourself like Martha. Martha. In the Bible you read of Martha who, she's busy making stuff and doing stuff for Jesus, but yet Mary is the one at his feet, listening and just spending time in his presence. Maybe you've busied yourself like that. Maybe you've become like the disciples walking back along the Emmaus Road. You're downcast. Life suddenly got hard. You've not seen the bigger picture and you're simply trudging and walking, overwhelmed by a disappointment. Know this, great news, Jesus Christ walks with you. And if you'll open up your heart to everything he wants to say to you, that heart, that same heart will begin to burn within you again as you see him. Maybe you've become like Peter, walking on the water. You started out so full of faith. You started out overcoming, living in the miraculous, walking upon the water, walking upon the waves while the wind blew around you. But then something happened and you took your eyes off Jesus. And you began to see the wind and you began to see the waves. And as you took your eyes off him, you suddenly just began to go down. Maybe that's where you're at. It's time to put Jesus back at the center because here's the great news. Just like Peter yelled out, Lord, save me. The next word you read is this, and immediately... And today is a day where Jesus will reach out immediately and grab you and say, Now come and walk on the waves with me together. Perhaps your walk with God resembles something like Peter after the crucifixion. And you feel like you've let God down. You feel like you've just let Jesus down. Well, here's the wonderful news. Jesus does not condemn you. Jesus simply asks you a question. Do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. And a relationship and sweet fellowship is restored. Ah, oh, Dave, that was me and those were the days. Oh, those were the days. Church, those were not the days. This is the day that the Lord has made. Therefore, I will rejoice And be glad in it. Oh, no, Dave. Those were the days my walk was so sweet. No, my friends, those were not the days. Today is the day of salvation. And today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. He wants to be the first love. Now, the remarkable thing about cupboards. If I want in my house to keep my cupboard well and right, all I've got to do is give it a clear purpose. And then guard it. So when someone comes along and says, can I just put that in there? The answer is no. It does not belong. And woe betide anyone who comes between me and my cupboards. I have to guard it. I have to say, this is what this is for. Now nothing else must come and sully that. Nothing else must come and fill that up. Clog that up or clutter it in such a way that it becomes purposeless your life and mine. Jesus is saying, make room for me. Let me be your first love again. Simply say this. Make the purpose of your life Jesus Christ. Make the purpose of your life Jesus Christ and guard that with with jealousy. Don't let anything get between you and Jesus. Jesus put it this way in Matthew 6. Would you seek first the kingdom of heaven, and my righteousness. Because if we do that, his promise is this, and all these other things, the other things that are important in life, he knows that, but if we'll seek him first, all these things will be added unto us. Today in the sovereign plan of God is a day for us to simply express our heart back to him. I'm going to stop speaking in just a moment, and I'm going to ask Josh and The wonderful musicians to come back and they're going to help us. We're going to sing some songs to the Lord. The hardest thing in a time like this is to be aware of those who you know around you. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. This is not a time now for great inward analysis. This is not a time for deep soul searching. It's very simply this. And it's very simple. Jesus makes things very simple. I can stand before God and I instantly know in a second if anything is out of place. And if everything is wrong, the Holy Spirit brings that to light. And I just simply need to say, oh God, I'm sorry. I'm putting you back where you belong. And he says, that's wonderful news. And he enters in. And now I walk forward and I sing. My love songs to him. So would Josh and the musicians come back? Whilst Ed is coming back, would you turn with me to one final scripture? It's in the book of Psalms. It's Psalm 51. Psalm 51, verses 10 to 12. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. And uphold me with a willing spirit. These are days, this is a day for finding Jesus again. And seeing Him and knowing Him as your first love. It's a day to make room. Not to cut off the top of the tree or the bottom of the tree to fit it in. It's a day to do whatever you have to do to fit all of Jesus in and give Him centrality. To make room. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. I'm going to ask you to put your Bibles down, any notepads, pens, anything down. And just sit there and close your eyes before the Lord. The musicians are going to start playing a song. And I just want you, not for my benefit, not for the person next to yours benefit, but to consider everything the Lord has said to us this morning about making room It's the first gathering of the year. What a great opportunity to say, Lord Jesus, right at the start of our time together, as we have gathered together unto you, and for all the things that we're going to go together into in your name and in your power and in your authority, what a great thing that on the first gathering of the year, we can examine our hearts and say, Lord Jesus, I know for sure that you are my first love. For Lord, anything that has cluttered that space, for anything that has taken that place on the throne of my life, Lord Jesus, I resolve right now, I'm clearing it out and I am restoring you to where you belong. And my ask, my prayer to you, Lord Jesus, is this. Restore to me now the joy of my salvation. Let me know again that sweet fellowship of spending time with you, of knowing you in every moment. Let me know again the joy, the giddiness of drawing aside to spend time with you in your word and in prayer. Let me know again, Lord Jesus, the excitement of what it is to tell people about you. Let me know again, Lord Jesus, that wonderful feeling, Lord God, of just uh, knowing that the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit, of that I read about in the Bible, now lives in me and wants to live the life of Jesus through me. Let me know it again. Lord, examine my ways. Examine my time. Examine my heart. And Lord Jesus, show me the clutter and sweep it out. Restore to me the joy of my salvation.